A very good evening to you. Once again to Sweet and Swing here on Max Radio. Howard Kane in the studio as always on a Friday night and delighted to have your company. What have we got? How about 50 Reasons to Love Paris? More of course from our women and jazz. I think we're on the final leg there. Bit of Cole Porter. Some more Maxine Sullivan and Bob Wilbur of course. Carrying on a little look at that. Nice album. But to start, a man I think has never featured before in this programme. Don't get too scared, though. Even if it is a moose.
That's a good way to get going, isn't there? Something a little bit different. Uh, it is The Moose and uh, who was playing? Well, I'll tell you, it was Dodo Marmorosa. Dodo Marmorosa, not a name you'll necessarily be familiar with unless you're a bit of a bebop fan, which is the pretty much where he's coming out of. A great example there of uh, his tour de force with the Charlie Barnett Band of 1943. Piano power indeed, as it says in the liner notes. The man himself, an interesting if somewhat uh, sad character in many ways, born in Pennsylvania, became a professional musician when he was still in his teens, toured with quite a few of the big bands, including Tommy Dorsey and Gene Krupa uh, playing keyboards and also Artie Shaw into the 40s, later on moved into Los Angeles and became very much involved in the bebop scene, which is where he's probably best known rather than the swing era. And during his time over in the West Coast, he recorded with the likes of Howard McGee, Charlie Parker, Lester Young, all the giants, as well as leading his own bands. Uh, went back again to uh, Pittsburgh in the late 40s and became less frequently heard on the bandstand. And for about 10 years, almost silent other than a few sort of local gigs, known as being something of an unusual character. And even if you see pictures of him as a young man, he looks sort of slightly troubled, slightly far away, not necessarily there. Uh, it's reckoned, and I'm saying it does sound like a rather a sad, uh, or at least something of a sad life, uh, his mental stability affected after being beaten into a coma when he was in his teens. Doesn't bear thinking about it, does it? I mean, we hear those sort of horrors in news today, and you like to think it didn't happen in the 1920s and 30s. It did, of course. It was very easy to have Rose tinted spectacles, isn't it, and think, oh, everyone was lovely, and a lot of people were, but equally there were a lot of very unpleasant people around as well. And this, they reckoned, affected his mental health. He had a, a, an unsuccessful marriage, shall we say. He ended up being separated from his children. He had a very traumatic time when he was in the army. However, he did manage to make something of a comeback in the 1960s. Uh, but he played occasionally into the early uh, 70s round the uh, Pittsburgh area again. The name, apparently, um, not entirely complimentary. Like I said, like most things in his life, didn't seem to be the happiest thing. He was actually called Michael Marmorosa, became known as Dodo. I don't know whether he liked it himself or not, but you will find him in all the books and everywhere, usually referenced as Dodo Marmorosa, uh, because of the fact that he had a, a large head, a short body, and quite a beaky nose. Dear me, poor lad, uh, what a life. But he, could he play the piano? Yes, he certainly could, a wonderful one there, and uh, celebrate his music one way or another. Lovely to have your company as ever here on the Sweet and Swing. Any thoughts, as per, drop me a line, Howard Kane at manxradio.com. Always delighted to hear any thoughts, ideas or requests, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Always do our best one way or another. Paul Whiteman coming up, Jack Fulton on vocals. It happened in Monterey.
It happened in Monterey. Love a little bit of a crackle and hiss from the 78 transcription there as well. Uh, it was Paul Whiteman back in the uh, 20s or early 30s, I think that was, around about 1930. Paul Whiteman, the excellent band lead on vocals. A, a, quite a sort of effeminate sounding voice. If you listen to it straight off without listening too carefully, you, you would be, you could be easily mistaken thinking it's a woman. It wasn't. It was Jack Fulton. Uh, he'd be pretty young back in the day. Very handsome looking lad if you look at some of the pictures of him. A trombonist uh, and a bit of a composer and vocalist as well. Started playing trombone very early doors uh, with George Olsen and then was a part of a trio who sang on a number one hit in 1925 called Who? along with Fran Frey and Bob Rice, joined Paul Whiteman in the mid-twenties and did vocals with lots of the Whiteman recordings with that quite sort of highish, slightly effeminate-sounding voice, part of a trio with Charles Gaylord and Austin Young on a recording of Making Whoopie, and they also sang with the Rhythm Boys uh, and accompanied uh, Bing Crosby and Bix Beiderbeck during their solos. Well, that's pretty good company to be in, isn't it? Also in The King of Jazz, uh, as part of an orchestra, briefly singing a bench in the park and went on to popularise body and soul in the early 1930s. I said he was a composer, did quite a few, over a hundred compositions, including Wanted, Until, You Are But a Dream and My Greatest Mistake, which was a, a hit, I believe, I think a number one in the American charts in 1940. Lived to a good old age, too. Not all of them do. Uh, lived until 90, I see. Died in San Diego in uh, California back in 1993. So, fairly recent times in many ways. But a picture of him as a young man. My, he could have been an actor. Brooding and dark eyes and looked quite swarthy and quite Italian-esque. Wonderful stuff. Maxine Sullivan and Bob Wilbur. Um, yeah, we're playing a few. I, I dug this one out, as I say, when I cleared some more out from the old maestro's house. Uh, still working on that and uh, I found this lurking. I thought there's more I can take here. I can't fit everything in but you know, we'll take as many as we can and yeah, uh, we dug out this little one, Maxine Sullivan, Bob Wilbur, close as pages in a book, along with plenty of others as well it must be said but I do rather enjoy Maxine Sullivan. Uh, here they are on a track called Restless. <laughs> Just how a prisoner feels in a cell Or a deer that is caught in a trap And is held I know just how a tiny canary Must feel locked up in a cage They all feel Cause I'm right at that stage Just like the rumble of the rain I'm restless Something's whirling round my brain I'm restless I don't know just what I want But what I want I want so awfully bad Like willows In a storm 
Just assuming that I'm human And there's so much loving to be had I'm weary of the same routine That I follow morning, noon and night Change of scene would interest me. Change my misery to delight. I've got a feeling I'll be feeling restless until I meet somebody else who's restless. Then I'll get it all. Chest, and I won't be so restless anymore. Great recording on that as well, isn't it? Because more modern one, lovely spacious sound on that recording. Maxine Sullivan, Bob Wilbur from the CD, Close as Pages in a Book and uh, Restless uh, in her notes uh, provided in the booklet. Oh, it's quite good notes with this one. Maxine says, a torch song, another term for a kind of blues. And um, the producers say we were delighted that she decided to do this number as we have liked it ever since the original 1935 recording by Helen Ward with Benny Goodman. Yeah, I think it was done a bit more up-tempo on that one, wasn't it? Uh, more from Maxine and Bob uh, next week. And, yeah, I think I'm trying to wade my way through a few more of those CDs once I've blown the dust off them to see if there's any little treasures or things we can make more of features out of. Why not, is the way I look at it. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Going back a few years to Hatchet's Swing Tet and something that you might be lucky to see. Uh, very lucky, I imagine, in the weather we've got at the moment. Bluebirds in the Moonlight. Mm-hmm. 
There are night owls in the daylight Silly idea, night owls in the daylight Oh, maybe my heart is saying What you've done to me There are bluebirds In the moonlight Silly idea Bluebirds In the moonlight But that's how I feel When I'm with you
very nice too. Loving that brushwork. Very nice, laid-back, smoochy, smooth version of April in Paris. But who was it? A trio, obviously. Piano, bass, drums, beautifully recorded there in Paris in 1955. Yeah, fine recording for 1955. I'm liking that a lot. And at the keyboards, Blossom Deary. Yeah, she of the sort of quite high-pitched, distinctive singing voice. Surely best known for her vocals, but you know what? There's no reason why she shouldn't have been known for her piano playing just as well if she could play like that. And I knew she could play, but wasn't that lovely? You would have never have guessed that was, at least I wouldn't have guessed that was Blossom Deary. You might have been shouting it at the wireless from the first bar. It's Blossom, how lovely. I suspect not. If you were, drop me a line, Howard Kane at maxradio.com. Or if you have any other Blossom Deary favourites, of course. But wasn't that nice to hear her at the keyboard? We'll be hearing more from Paris because, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, that was one I have rescued and is staying in the bag now, now that I've uh, blown the cobwebs off it. Uh, a three-CD collection entitled 50 Reasons to Love Paris. Jazz in Paris through the ages. And, uh, like I said, disc one is marked swing from paris uh, that one was disc two which is called the sous le pont de paris under the bridges of paris i believe and then disc three simply entitled i love paris some great music on there there's a michel legrand's playing with his trio on that one as well and a whole host of goodies so we'll be digging into that one off and on over the next few weeks before our little twofer there was a hatchet's swing tet bluebirds in the Moonlight, I think it was, wasn't it? There are bluebirds in the moonlight. Something along those lines, I believe. And, yeah, uh, Arthur Young leading the swing tet there. Uh, Arthur didn't stay in Britain for that long. He departed for the Antipodes in the early 1950s. Uh, went and ran, sort of, as I understand it, gave up music. Um, quite why he did this, but he went to Hobart in Tasmania and ran a bar there for several years. Hatchets, of course, the London restaurant where the group resided and uh, in that particular case, included on the violin, if you thought he was rather good, you'd be right. It was Stefan Grappelli. Not bad, eh? Arthur Young, one of the great jazz pianists in the country at that time. Uh, not on piano, the eagle-eared, if that's such a phrase amongst you would have noticed. He was on the Nova chord, a sort of early electric piano, uh, very much in vogue at the time. They cost a fortune, I think I'm right in saying. The vocal there uh, was by Beryl Davis in that first one, the daughter of Oscar Rabin's co-leader Harry Davis. Uh, she didn't hang around on these shores either. She went out to the United States and had a very successful career out there. We're going to stay with the women. Plenty of women going on there today. Um, I was just looking at our women in jazz, the classic female jazz artists, 1939-1952. I might have another couple, one today, one next week. I think I'm right in that. Let's hear from the International Sweethearts of Rhythm. Don't know you get away with that title these days. And a happy track called Don't Get It Twisted. <laughs> Thank you. 
ah, well, they could play all right, couldn't they? The International Sweethearts of Rhythm. Who they, I hear you shout. Well, uh, you might not be surprised to hear it was a woman band, as we are talking about classic female jazz artists from the late 30s to the early 1950s. Ray Lee Jones was the leader. Anna Mae Winburn was conducting Johnny Mae Tex Stansbury. Uh, Ernestine Tani Davis, Nora Lee McGee, along with uh, Floyd Dreyer on trumpets, Julia Travick, Helena Jones, Ema Bell Bird on trombones, Violet Burnside, Colleen Murray, Myrtle Young, Willie Mae Lee, and Jacqueline Dexter uh, on saxes, Jackie King piano, Carleen Ray on guitar, Edna Smith, great name, Edna Smith on bass. You don't get many Ednas now, do you? My mum was, but you don't hear them, hear them much anymore. That name, that's out of fashion at the moment. And Pauline Brady, powering things along at the drums. Studio 2, New York City, October the 14th, 1946. Recorded there by the great Leonard Feather. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> certainly a fantastic sound. It wouldn't have been uh, in vogue at the time, I imagine, to have had a, an all-woman group uh, any more than... I know so many of the bands we had over here, I think, would uh, come to the fore. But uh, they were subject to an extensive uh, examination, I think, in a book called The American Women in Jazz by Sally Plaxin. And a lot of these uh, underpaid women, as it's noted, worked hard, mainly on the black theatre circuit, and never really got into general acceptance. Anime Winburn their conductor, was, uh, had the glam look, always then as now, whether you like it or whether you don't, having the glamorous one at the front of the pile always pays dividends with the audience. Uh, Morris King was the musical director and arranger. And with the uh, brass bouwaring, as Leonard says in his notes, and Vi Bernard's tenor uh, lending its commanding presence, it was without a doubt the best all-girl band of its day. Jackie King had worked with Andy Kirk and Lucky Millinder. Johnny May text Stansbury, the trumpet soloist, was from Dallas, uh, a Texas college graduate. And the bad band also did a Lionel Hampton-style finale and Don't Get It Twisted with uh, Vi Burnside showing her Coleman Hawkins roots on V. Vigor. Or V. Vigo, I think that might be. Good stuff. Uh, a very good band indeed. And yeah, as is often the case, not so well known. I've heard, I don't know how many recordings there are of them, but maybe not as many as there should have been, judging by the standard of their playing. We'll have a bit of Stan Getz uh, from four classic albums. Got some new jazz from uh, Avid, actually, I was going to bring in. I'll remember that for next week, I think. A vocalist. I can't for the life of me remember who it is now, but uh, we'll bring it in from our friends in Avid and see what we can do. Anyway, in the meantime, settle back and relax with this silky, smooth, velvety sound of Stan Getz on sax and Desfinado.
<laughs> there we go. Nice. Bit of Latin. You can't beat a bit of Latin, Latin rhythms just to make you think of warmer climes and warmer days, which we might be heading towards. I say might. I mean, it's only coming up towards April, and we still haven't done anything vaguely regarding spring yet, I don't think, other than the fact that obviously the daffodils have been out, bless them, albeit they then got covered in six foot of snow in our place, but they survived, some of them, the ones that didn't snap. But the warmer weather, the warmer weather is on its way. I promise. Sometime. <laughs> Stan gets samba. Uh, des, or Desafinado, Desafinado, the track, uh, another Jobim track as well. Stan on tenor sax, Charlie Bird guitar, Keta Betts on that bass, Gene Bird on bass guitar, and then you had uh, Bill Reichenbach and Buddy Deppenschmidt, the drums, and I think percussion as well. Born, uh, born, <laughs> that was recorded in the same year I was born. That's what I was going to say. But a few years before I was. So I think I was in the making, as they say. <laughs> Leave that there. What a horrible thought. Uh, Cole Porter. We've been enjoying dipping into Cole Porter, the music of Cole Porter. Never have to go that far, really do, to find some great music from Cole Porter like this one. Who knows? Who knows? Tommy Dorsey in The Voice. <laughs> too. Nice track. Tommy Dorsey Who Knows Jack Leonard taking the vocals on that one from a selection of the music of Cole Porter, American dance bands. Uh, we're staying with the American side on the other side of the pond because we're heading off to the Woodchopper's Ball. Mm-hmm. 
a great track, isn't it? Off to the Woodchopper's Ball. Wouldn't mind if I was. A uh, bit of a long way to go that it cross, you know, flying across the Atlantic just for that. Woody Herman and the orchestra. Sounding grand. No date given on that one, but sound grand in any case. Can't go wrong with a bit of Woody Herman and the Woodchopper's Ball. Haven't played that for ages. Enjoyed that very muchly. I was just reading while we were listening to that. Uh, the vocalist on the previous uh, number, Jack Leonard, who was singing. Um, yeah, I didn't realise. He, again, he played with Dorsey for some time from 1937, recorded over 200 songs, apparently, including Marie, for which he's the best known. He was in the army, of course, replaced by Frank Sinatra. Yeah, OK, so not bad. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, he rang with the Ray Block Band and then for 15 years was Nat King Cole's personal manager. Yeah, not too bad, was that? Uh, then went into the music publishing business to uh, finish off. So, yeah, successful career, I would say. Here's a little track. Here's something which Beth Espy calls me every day when we've been doing the man in this line of this uh, last week, which has been a, an enjoyable change. You smoothie.
to finish off Jeepers Creepers unmistakable with Louis Armstrong pretty young uh, sounding Louis Armstrong on that one uh, preceded as they say uh, by your an old smoothie as I say I missed out the old I think when I said it before didn't I <laughs> that's what Beth called me she's more likely to call me an old smoothie I think to be absolutely fair uh, great track I haven't heard it for ages written by Inesio Herb Brown BG De Silva and Richard A. Whiting back in the early or late 1920s, I think it was, and uh, first performed by Ethel Merman, as I understand it. I think I'm right in saying that. Went on to be covered by all sorts. Ethel did it in November of 1932, but loads of others did it, including Ella Fitzgerald. That's it. See you next week. Look after yourselves. (laughs) 